Welcome, everyone, to episode two of the Agree to Disagree podcast with Phil and Ethan, a weekly podcast from now through Election Day. That's right. Our new podcast will come out every Thursday. Each week, we will give you an inside look at what's happening in Maine politics. And this week, we'll be talking about everything related to Election Day and what an Election Day it was. Indeed. Sarah Gideon wins in a landslide, which you predicted for the chance to take on Susan Collins, Dale Crafts, and what can only be considered an upset, is now expected to be the nominee to take on Democrat Jared Golden in CD2. Well, Gideon's uh, election may have been an upset to you, but not to me. I called that one from the beginning. It was over before it started. Well, I was referring to Dale Crafts being an upset. Oh, okay. Gideon was an upset. Dale Crafts, Definitely. I don't know where that guy came from, but we'll talk about him uh, in a little bit of moment. In a moment, uh, across the state, Governor LePage, interestingly, endorsed a bunch of legislative candidates. Dude got swept, shellacked, crushed, lost them all. That'll be fun to talk about. Well, his candidate did win the second congressional district, so maybe shellacked is a little hyperbole on your part. Me? Shall we dive in? First of a few of these races, Schoolsy. Get us started. As Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate. Madam Speaker versus Madam Senator. The results in Maine Speaker of the House, Sarah Gideon, easily won the Democrat Party nomination and is now poised for the real fight ahead, taking on Senator Susan Collins. The pre-primary poll showed her with a lead anywhere from three to nine points. But honestly, none of this matters now. So, Ethan, how did Sarah win so big? What will she have to do to unseat Maine's longest-serving member of Congress? And what will Collins have to do to survive? Yeah, big, big, big win. Over 70%. uh, Just every county in the state. Clearly, look, she had the money behind her. She had uh, the establishment support behind her. And look, she's got a pretty solid record 10 years really fighting for working class folks, trying to make sure that families can get a little bit more food on the table to be able to survive, put their kids through college, protect a woman's right to choose, fighting back against the pharmaceutical companies. She's been on the right side of a lot of battles. I think that's why Democrats really saw her as the best opportunity to unseat Susan Collins. And, you know, you say that the polls don't really matter anymore, but look, the polls have been consistent. Clearly they'll shift, but Collins just can't get out of the low 40 percent. That's a that's a huge drop from where she usually is up in the 60s. So this is going to be a barn burner all the way through. But Gideon in a very strong position. Big victory Tuesday. Well, that was easy to predict since the herd mentality around Washington, D.C., between Chuck Schumer, MoveOn.org and many other uh, you know, special interest liberal groups have poured millions of dollars and more are coming to paint uh, Susan Collins is out of touch with her constituents while portraying uh, Sarah Gideon as the, you know, the quintessential, quintessential uh, legislator on, on Main Street who rose to the speaker. This is going to be a really interesting campaign because it's not uh, about what Mainers think. This is a national election. These uh, out-of-state groups are going to pour money in here because it's an easy media buy. There's only 1.3 million people to influence. And I think you're going to find that Susan Collins is well prepared for this race in spite of your 
opinion? Look, I mean, is Collins ready for the race? Of course, she's ready for the race. She's been doing this for 20 years. Uh, my issue is simply that there's a lot of people out there who have voted for Susan Collins in the past that are now saying they're not with her. Look, estimates are that 70 percent of Maine people at some point have voted for Susan Collins, and yet she can't get 42 percent of the vote right now. So she has clearly lost trust. Her tie to Trump, she no longer is seen as this independent voice for Maine, putting Maine ahead of uh, you know the partisan interests of Washington D.C. And it's left her in a really vulnerable place with Gideon's fundraising and her vulnerability in the polls. This is certainly the fight of her life. Well, no question about it. This is the biggest challenge she has faced in her political career, but. Uh, you're underestimating the relationship that Susan Collins has built across the state for 20-something years. Her family is uh, generations here in Aroostook County. She's great at constituent work. She has the experience, and most especially, Ethan, I think even you would have to agree, the uh, seniority that she has, and unfortunately, that's how Washington works. The more you've been there, the more power you accumulate. We need that now more than ever. Right. Yes, that's true. She certainly has been there a long time. And as I recall, I think she pledged to only serve two terms, but maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. So, all right, Schoolsy, sending us on to the next subject here. All right, Crafts, Beer, or Golden Brew? As uh, you predicted, Dale Crafts is now expected to be the Republican nominee for Congress to take on Jared Golden. He won the first ballot handily, didn't quite get to 50%. Uh, so it won't be official until the rank choice is tallied, but he did have well over 40%. Both of his opponents have now stepped out and they're all consolidating around him. Dale Crafts, I consider this an upset, sort of came somebody nobody really knew, just a member of the state house, And here he is winning the Republican nomination. Phil, tell us, how did he do it? And what's he going to have to do to beat Jared Golden? Oh, uh, may I remind you that I clearly predicted this was going to happen and you thought I was out of touch with the main voters. They resoundingly in the second congressional district related to Dale Crafts, his uh, personal story of uh, having an accident and ending up in a wheelchair and turning it into a positive. He's been a successful businessman. He's well entrenched in the greater Lewiston, Auburn, Lisbon community. And most especially, he has the legislative experience. I think that combination connected with the second congressional district, and he clearly has identified himself as the person who will represent that district, which is very distinct. And I think you would agree with me. The second congressional district and the first congressional districts are like two separate political philosophies. And that's what I think carried Dale Craft to victory. Certainly very different between the South and the North. Uh, that said, I, I don't think Northern Maine is quite as conservative as Dale Crafts is. Remember, this seat has been held by a Democrat for basically 20 years, except for one term when Bruce Poliquin had it, Baldacci and then Michaud and now Jared Golden. They like somebody who's kind of a center Democrat, moderate Democrat, uh, but who really fights for working people. And I think Dale Crafts, he's going to have a lot of um, questions, a lot of things he's going to have to answer around his legislative record, has not been as supportive of workers as he probably should have been, not very well known. So it's going to give Jared Golden a real opportunity to define his opponent early if he has to. But I mean, honestly, I, did, I bet if you looked at polls right now, Jared Golden's probably up double digits uh, just because nobody knows Dale Kraft. So 
a blank slate for people to fill in. Um, you know, I, I think Crafts has got a great personal story, of course, overcoming the the kind of hardship that he's had to overcome and the kind of success. But in the end, people are going to want to know more than simply what did you overcome personally? What are you going to do to help us be able to put food on our table and make sure that we can put our kids in college and get the health care we need? I just don't see Dale Crafts being able to answer those questions in a way that even CD2 voters are going to appreciate. Well, you take the position that people want the government to do all these things you just described. And I think you'll find the more you spend time in the second congressional district, the less government they want. They're happy just the way they are enjoying their life free from government intrusion. And as I have been around the second district quite a bit in the last couple of months, it was remarkable to me, Ethan, how many campaign signs that I saw in support of President Trump. I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds and hundreds of signs in people's lawns for Trump, which tells me that, and by the way, I think I saw one, one for uh, Joe Biden. That tells me- That's uh, my guy. <laughs> Kraft, Kraft is gonna be uh, uh, a favorite to win this. Well, look, I mean, certainly Trump has got to win CD2 in order for Crafts, I think, to have a shot at it. Part of the reason that, yeah. you know, Bruce Poliquin won it back in 2016 over Emily Kane was because of that. Uh, I don't think that Trump is as strong as you think. He's clearly behind statewide by a much larger margin than um, than he was at any time against Hillary Clinton. So I, I don't. Uh, yes, he's going to have to ride some coattails there. But Dale Crafts really, again, He's got his own record that he's going to have to answer for. And even in CD2, while they may not want government intrusion, they want to make sure that they got good wages and they can put food on the table and that they can make sure that their kids go to college. That, that to me, seems much more important than, you know, whether or not you're, you're worrying about, you know, the, some state issue around the budget where he voted the wrong way. All right. Our third topic and our final topic, did LePage get shellacked? This election season, former Governor LePage endorsed in three state Senate primaries, and he appears to have lost them all. Doug Thomas lost to Paul Davis. John Linehan lost to Brian Langley. And Kim Rosen appears to have beaten Larry Lockman in a close race. Well, yes, he did win the big Republican primary for CD2, uh, as you predicted. On the ground, the race is closest to the voter. He did not fare so well. So, Phil, is the Republican Party no longer controlled by the big guy from Waterville? Well, I wouldn't say that they uh, allow him to control the party, but the, the party faithful, the people who go to county caucuses and town committee meetings and actually show up and vote on primary election day, uh, Paul LePage still has uh, their ear. And the fact that these local primary state Senate races that you mentioned didn't go the way he endorsed, that's, in my opinion, because the closer you are to local elected politics, whether it's the school board, the town council, uh, the state senate, those are pers more personal relationships. You have the ability to look your constituents in the eye. And ultimately, I don't think that uh, endorsement process in those local elections has the influence that we saw in the second congressional district. Mm, yeah, you know, I, all right, schools, you keep this one on tape for a second. I think I, I'm going to agree with Phil on this one. All right. I'm going to agree with Phil, but make sure that we keep a caveat around that. Um, look, <laughs> look, politics is local. There's no doubt about it. And when politics is local, that means uh, people know their candidate. And you got to believe that in all three of those races where he endorsed, 
people know Paul Davis. They know Doug Thomas well. They certainly know Brian Langley. They know Kim Rosen. They know Larry Lockman. They know these folks. And right. that means there's a personal relationship and somebody coming in trying to uh, endorse or tell them how to vote just isn't going to work. Those kind of coattails, they never work. So while so the, the area that I agree with you is that, you know, Governor LePage probably was shouldn't have tried to get into those races because it's not that he's lost power within the party. It's that, you know, governors, big Q givers never really have that much influence at the local level. So I just think it was a mistake on his part to try to flex his muscle. He did it when he was governor, too. Remember, he tried to win primaries. He won a few. He lost a few. I think, you know, yeah, he moved back to Maine. Maybe he's getting ready to run for governor. But, uh, you know, it's keep your nose out of this kind of stuff is what I'd say to him. Yeah, I I think that's good advice. And if he does run for governor, this is where these local uh, officials who got uh, defeated or wasn't endorsed by LePage are going to have a reason to either not engage in the campaign or actively campaign against him. Yeah, you know, I mean, Paul Davis is a pretty popular guy in Piscataquis County. He won handily. Why in the world are you going to alienate a guy like Paul Davis or Kim Rosen? Good, you know, reasonable Republican, if it's possible to put those two words in one sentence. Uh, It is. uh, (laughs) She's somebody you just don't want to alienate. And he did. So say lovey. Say lovey. Okay. Strim. Yeah. Let's play smart, not smart, or where we mention something in politics and we declare whether it was smart or not smart. <laughs> All right. I think what you mean is smart or not smart is what we're playing, right? So you Correct. All right. Give, give me, uh, throw it at me. Let's see what we got here. All right. Throw it okay. at me. First, Janet Mills is requiring people to wear masks in businesses. Mr. Mayor, smart or not smart? Uh, that one is smart. Uh, this one's important. What we're seeing in other states where they are, we're not requiring masks, just a remarkable rise in uh, new cases. Maine is at the forefront, some of the lowest rates in the country. We need to make sure we stay there. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this one. It's a, it's clearly a, a factor in preventing the disease from spreading. It's not that intrusive. Um, I think this was a good decision on her part. I just wish she had opened up the entire state because people have gotten the message to wash their hands, stay distance, wear a mask. And we put so many small family businesses in jeopardy by allowing national companies to stay open and closing local ones. All right, next up. On Tuesday, little noticed, but certainly lots of people voted for two bonds worth $120 million of yours and my money to rebuild roads and uh, build some better internet access. Phil, smart or not smart? Uh, Both. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, these dollars that the main voters just borrowed also comes along with a bunch of federal money. And I don't know why people don't make the connection that those dollars also come out of their pocket as well. But having said that, I think the infrastructure that ranged from roads and bridges and airports and seaports and so forth was a, a smart decision by Maine voters. Uh, the internet broadband, I think that's a private sector uh, opportunity for someone to come in and, and invest and make it a, a, a private sector enterprise. That one I didn't think was smart. 
Fair enough. I think uh, both smart. Glad that they passed. Internet access, huge issue in the state of Maine. We need to figure out how to make sure that people who live anywhere, just like electricity used to be, make sure that wherever you are, you have internet access because that really is the future. And especially even for small businesses, because I hear from a lot of businesses, they yeah. aren't able to get access. They may live in a rural place. They really need it to be able to have their to operate their business because they could be all over the world. Next, the Supreme Court says Congress can't, that's cannot, force Trump to release his taxes. Smart or not smart, Strim? Uh, not smart. Look, I, I get it. The Supreme Court trying to make sure that there's a good balance between the executive and Congress and making sure that they can't sort of overreach. But look, this was a legitimate request. Basically, what the Supreme Court did is punted it back to the lower courts. And now Congress has to come forward again and sort of say, OK, here are all the legitimate reasons. And all this did was try to punt it outside of the election. I think it was kind of a partisan move. Uh, unfortunate. I, I don't see it that way at all. I think that was a smart decision, whether you're the president of the United States or Ethan Strimling, the mayor of Portland. You have the right to privacy over your personal finances and your taxes and preserving it for the president preserves it for everyone. All right, last but not least, uh, dive into a little bit of sports. The uh, Washington football team has decided to retire the R word from their name. And by R word, I don't mean Republican. Uh, Phil, smart or not smart? Yeah, th this is this is smart. Um, I have some mixed emotions about uh, how far we're going to go with politically labeling uh, things like the the Washington NFL team. Uh, I think in many ways we need to find ways to honor our our heritage and the people who were uh, part of our history. And yet at the same time, I get the uh, the sensitivity and the uh, the um, effect that it has on certain people. Uh, yeah, this was a good decision, but it's also going to have to go further. You're going to need to get rid of the Atlanta Braves and the Cleveland Indians and so forth. It's uh, it's about to unfold. Yeah, get rid of the tomahawk chop. That is for sure. This one was smart. Long, long, long time coming. Only unfortunate that the morality of it wasn't what ruled at the end of the day. It was the bottom line that ended up ruling at the end of the day. Dan Snyder should have done the right thing a long time ago, but very glad that this has happened. Still much more work to do. Yeah. The clock has run out. The buzzer is sounding. All right, Phil, as we do each week in this Maine's bicentennial year, we are going to ask a Maine political trivia question. But first, here was last week's question. In the past decade, in the past decade, uh, in the past eight decades, there have been six years in which Maine had no female member of Congress. Can you name the women who have served and the six years that it was all men? That actually was a good question on your part. And that's because I knew the answer right away. Is this because you were in attendance when the first female member of Congress was sworn in back in 1940 or no? Ouch. Uh, not quite. But I did have the honor as a youngster to meet uh, Margaret Chase Smith a time or two. What a remarkable woman she was. The other three women who have served over those 80 years are 
my friend, Olympia Snow, my former colleague in the Maine Senate, Shelley Pingree, and of course, our current Senator, Susan Collins. And the bonus question was whether you could name the six years Maine was without a female representative over those last 80 years. Well, honestly, I had to uh, go look that up, but it was something I should have recognized from the beginning. That was when after Senator Smith lost to Bill Hathaway, mm-hmm. who uh, also, by the way, had Angus King on his staff, oh. Bill, Bill Hathaway gave way to Olympia Snow, who took office in 1979. Since then, we have not had a single year without a woman in one or other branch of Congress. And with the Collins-Gideon fight, that streak is going to most likely extend at least another six years. That's something I think Maine can be proud of. For sure. Okay, let's go to this week's question. I kept it on the theme of women in Maine Maine politics, and here it is. We all know Maine women got the right to vote in 1919 with the passage of the 19th Amendment. But in what year did women earn the right to serve in elected office? Oh, that is a good one. You know, it really is incredible how uh, how recent it is in uh, our history that developments like this have occurred. You know, to think about a time when women couldn't vote and couldn't run for office, that's just uh, remarkable. But we will get the answer to everyone next week. I think that's a wrap for this week. Jeff, ask Donald, how did we do? You are fake news. (laughs) See you next week, folks. See you next week, folks.